1: Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone, at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 12, and we are recording today on a Tuesday. Hopefully this gets to you by uh, Wednesday or Thursday, but what a week in in football and fantasy football. Just an absolute train wreck for a couple teams and uh, and a great week in, in uh, fantasy football this week. But, you know, unfortunately, I was unable to record on Sunday night. It was Little Miss Game Theory's birthday, my, my, my daughter's seventh birthday. So I was a little too, um, you know, preoccupied. And, and I'll be honest, on, on, uh, on my kids' birthdays, I like, to, I like to get a little drink on. So I was probably a little too saucy, too. But uh, we, we had a lot of fun. And uh, Little Miss Game Theory turned seven. God bless her. Um, but uh, here, here on Tuesday, we're we're happy to record. And actually, I got a, a a great guest. I've I think it's it's a little bit more enjoyable for me to get a little bit uh, more distance from the week. Kind of you know, craft these takes, get a little bit more data, get a little bit more information, and ho- hopefully give better advice going forward. Uh, that's kind of the idea. You know, I always say the the goal of this pod is to be informative and to be entertaining and entertaining, I'm not sure, informative. We'll see, but you know, getting a little bit of a distance from from Sunday makes me feel a little bit better uh, about getting some information to you. It will be after waivers run. So we're not gonna get into waivers and things like that. But certainly going to talk about, you know, where you might be with your dynasty team, you know, given, you know, week week nine in the books. You know, you're you're probably got a pretty good idea as to whether or not you're a winning team or a losing team. You know, so Speaking of winning teams and losing teams, you know, if if you're a fan of Joe Biden or Donald Trump, I, I think maybe some people are a little bit all, all fired up. But, you know, I think we both we all lose, uh, you know, uh, with 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 how that went down. There's a lot of infighting. And just remember, everybody love everybody. You know, that's the that's the words, man. You know, Jackie Moon knows what's up. So make sure you make sure you just love everybody. You know, so with without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Today I've got you know one of my one of my undroppables brothers. You know he claims to be a doctor, but he's from Purdue, so I'm not so sure I can I can trust any of his uh, medical you know credentials. We've we've checked and double checked, it all checks out, but I'm still dubious. But the man, the myth, the legend, Adam Hutchinson is in the house. Adam, why don't you tell the people what what I'm talking about here, baby?
2: So I guess we're just gonna throw fists right off the bat, right? I mean, I come on, you you invite me on your show, you butter me up all pre show, and then you go right for the right for the throat with the with the Purdue jab. Uh, Yeah, right off the bat. uh, In all seriousness, man, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to talk some fantasy football, man.
1: Well, I'm bumbling and stumbling out of the gate, so I needed someone with a college degree to come in and save me. That's why you're here. The doctor's in the house, you know, a guy that knows things. And so I'm pretty excited to have him. You know, we're going to get into some injuries and some stuff, but we actually have a three man booth today. So I'm pretty excited. Tomorrow, I'm actually going, well, you know, now it's kind of weird because this show is going to come out on Thursday, but I'm recording Wednesday night, which is tomorrow night, my time on. Travis's uh pod which is the true North pod they're Canadian so obviously they're nice you know a lot nicer than 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 Adam here obviously he comes out and starts throwing at me so you're gonna notice one nice person one a uh, guy from purdue you know so uh, but you know without further ado Travis seal is here and he's the host of the true North fantasy pod and like I said he's Canadian so a really nice guy so if he's real nice to me just uh, just understand he is Canadian folks Travis what's going on my man
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jax. Thank you. I uh, I am throwing love, not fists, um, but you know, in the right situation, if need be, I can I can play Well, you are off. a Philly fan, so, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So I got a little bit of that midnight green in my absolutely. blood. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me, man. I uh, I've had you on the pod before. I'm super excited to have you on again, and I'm excited to get on this one as well. It's been a, it's been awesome watching you build this puppy up. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I just I you know I <clears throat> I want it to be as good as possible. You know, just because it's fun to have a great dynasty pod. You know, I remember when, you know, I was I was searching and searching for for content. You know, when I kind of got into dynasty fantasy football, it was always just a you know, there just was a lot of mumbling and, and and game playing and and not much content. Or if there was people doing a lot of you know good content, they were terribly unentertaining. So I thought, man, if only we could have a little bit of both. Um, there are a few pods out there, certainly some that I really love, but. You know, we're going to try and do the same here. And obviously at the Undroppables, we're bringing that sort of vibe. And, you know, so without further ado, though, I did want to I I wanted to uh, really hit on Adam a little bit while while he's here. I mean, truth be told, I give him a lot of shit, but he's one of the most valuable members of our team because he does know what the hell he's talking about when it comes to, you know, the human body injuries, how these things heal. And and so, you know. He's a must-follow. I mean, really, you got to follow some sort of medical guy uh, uh, on Twitter. My, My advice is follow one that also knows fantasy football. Let me just tell you, there are some pretty okay medical minds, but a lot of them, let me just tell you, from behind the scenes, they can't play worth a shit, and that is a fact. Adam's a hell of a player. He really is. Um, you know, I've been in a few leagues with him and, and, and he's, he's probably a better fantasy football player than he is a doctor again, with all this Purdue nonsense, but joking, he, he really is the dual threat. Um, and so Adam, I want to get right into it. You know, um, probably the one that I think most people are interested in and they want to know, Hey, do I need to go pick up Mike Davis or am I okay with, with Christian McCaffrey? What is going on with CMC? The sort of, you know, besides one other man, the, the, the most important, fantasy asset on the planet.
2: Yeah. And and this one's tough. This, I uh, I have a couple of Christian McCaffrey shares and some fantasy leagues. I was you know fortunate enough to get them early. And uh, originally when I saw the video, I, I thought maybe it was a, a rib injury, but I was able to go back and look at some of the stuff yesterday. And I actually looked at it uh, again tonight before I, before I came on your show. And I think what we're really looking at, you know, sometimes the video can lie. Um, but based on what I'm seeing from from video, it looks like it's an AC joint sprain for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I also thought there was po- there was a possibility that maybe had a rotator cuff injury or or a labral tear, but actually the Fox broadcast did a pretty good job of catching him on the sideline. And he did a couple things on the sideline that really thought that really made me think it was, it was an AC joint sprain. He's, he's lifting the arm up. He's putting in some internal and external rotation, pretty much with ease, no discomfort there, which was, tells me that uh, for the most part, maybe that rotator cuff is still intact. There's also a couple of images of him pushing on his collarbone, kind of bending his neck away, trying to stretch out some of those muscles that insert on in the collarbone. So we shouldn't know more probably by the time this, this podcast comes out in the next couple of days here uh, what the official injury is. But that would be my best guess best uh, based on what I saw on video. So to answer your question, should be people um, be picking up Mike Davis? Well, hopefully you didn't drop him if you had him because I think this is potentially – it doesn't sound like he's going to play in week 10, and this could be a multi-week injury up to somewhere between three to four-week injury um, potentially. God, what a bummer. I mean – Christian McCaffrey,
1: you know, was basically averaging 30, you know, I mean, he was out there just in three games, the first two um, of the season, and then this last one against the Chiefs. He was just an absolute monster. He's played three games. He scored a total of six touchdowns. I mean, he is just absolutely awesome. Um, It's It's, unbelievable, really. Yeah.
2: And it's kind of funny, too, because um, I talked about this on Twitter a little bit with, with the dreaded high ankle sprain. You know, usually for players, I see somewhere between specifically a running backs, I've looked at this a lot. The high ankle sprain has been pretty much a kiss of death for fantasy football production in terms of running backs. Um, we see somewhere between a three to ten point drop off per game for those players that once they come back. Well, pre-injury, Christian McCaffrey was averaging around 25 points a game, and then he comes back and drops a, a big 30-burger. So he was actually doing better after the high ankle sprain, which is which is pretty rare. You don't see that from for running backs, especially in their first game back.
1: Yeah, you're right on the money. But the other thing they did that I was applauding was they gave him six weeks. You know, he got a, a legit week three through eight. He was out a, a full six weeks, you know, so, you know, seven weeks if you count the, the, the sort of time on each side of the games, I mean – he got a, almost two months to recover, which is exactly what you need. You know, I think you'd know better, but we see it all the time. You know, a guy goes out there, high ankle sprain. We saw it last year with both uh, Camara and Saquon, and they just weren't themselves. But they only missed like two or three weeks. You know, we remember the video of Saquon jumping and everybody getting excited. On You know, yeah, you, it, it, I guess what, what I'm hearing from you is that, yeah, that you can do, but you're probably not going to have the same explosion and, and you're maybe you're – re-injury risk is, is somewhat high. Is that kind of what happens or?
2: So it it honestly depends on the severity of the injury. And I've looked at the McCaffrey situation a lot just because he's one of the, you know, most popular players in in fantasy football. I I think he sustained that injury his original high ankle sprain early in the game. And he actually tried to play through it. It made it worse. Um, the way you can kind of judge a severity uh, of a high ankle sprain, really what a high ankle sprain is, is there's a a membrane uh, that connects your, your two shin bones essentially. And it, it basically runs up the entire shin and, the farther that tear goes up that membrane is basically dictates the severity of your tear so if it goes up really high up that shin bone it's a more severe tear If it's a little bit lower it's a it's a less severe tear and if it's less severe obviously that would shorten your return to turn to play timeline so it kind of depends i think he there's a there's a decent chance he actually made it worse by trying to play through it in the, in the original injury game um, and that's probably what, what lengthened his timeline. But no doubt, I mean, lengthening his timeline, six weeks, holding him out, uh, paid dividends when he, when he was able to come back. It's just unfortunate. He's got a shoulder injury now.
1: And so now with the AC joint, uh, it's his – which arm is it? Right arm. Right arm. So I, I, that is, uh, you know, I, I, his strong hand. You know, But at the end of the day, can he play with it? Is it a pain tolerance thing? I mean, obviously it's range of motion as well. We know that, which actually hurts more in the passing game than in the running game, um, I mean, that's really what is going to hold him back? Or is it pain, range of motion, or just kind of safety of player here?
2: It, it's more safety of player. And this is similar to uh, what kind of derailed Dalvin, the end of Dalvin Cook's season. Now, Dalvin Cook's a little bit different because he, he's had a history of shoulder problems. But um, it's more of, especially for the running back position, if he comes back a little bit too soon, uh you increase the risk of injury. He's going to get tackled, you know, driven to the ground, right. you know, especially for for a running back. So I, based on the reports that we saw from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, it sounds like Week Ten is looking really bleak. Um, which I would I would expect. It's possible he maybe misses this week and next week. But usually, what I what I see for some of those AC joint sprains. On the more minor side, you're still looking around a three-week timeline.
1: It, it, unbelievable. Well, they've got the Bucks this week, which, you know, he'd probably light them up. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. You you may shy away from Mike Davis, uh, even if McCaffrey is out because of that defense. Now they did get shredded last week, but let's face it, they've been very good against the run. Probably the best run defense in the league. But uh, that being said, Carolina tends to throw it to whether it's Mike Davis or CMC. So I guess you gotta Really look at Mike Davis, fire him up. Uh, certainly in the next two games after that as they are you know, at home against the Lions, which is basically just you know couldn't be better, and then at the Vikings. And then they're by. So I would imagine if it's a three-week injury that they'd probably look to get that full four and then have him back late in the season. This team could actually be making a playoff run. So it, it, it kind of gets a little bit different for them right now. Uh, we thought they were going to be out of it. Uh, you know, early in the year when he got hurt. Now, this team ain't going to go anywhere, but they're sort of in the mix. So it's kind of interesting. Let's move it along a little bit. The next guy I think is, uh, you know, maybe a little, little lower down the totem pole for sure. But Noah Fant, what, what are you hearing and what are your thoughts here?
2: Yeah. So Noah Fant had a left ankle injury, classic inversion sprain earlier in the season. Um, He was, he missed two games and then was able to come back that now he's dealing with a, with a right ankle injury. So Looked like on video, similar type of mechanism of injury, inversion ankle sprain. It's kind of hard to tell based on the ankle angle, angle of, of the video, but um, my initial thoughts is that it wasn't a high ankle sprain or anything like that. He was actually able to come back in the game. So the positives there are that he didn't re-aggravate his left ankle because I think that would have extended his return to play timeline. And he did actually come in the back in the game. However, this is something that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, he's probably dealing with some uh, inflammation post game. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he maybe missed another week or two. It's something that we're going to have to monitor in terms of the practice reports. But if by Friday, no fans not practicing, I would, you know, make some contingency plans on, on a tight end option.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a real kick in the ass for me because obviously I'm the uh, Albert O. Truther who has been playing outstanding and was poised to certainly step up in this, in this situation as he had been doing. And he's out with an ACL. So, I mean, look, there's probably not much to talk about with an ACL, but you know, we can expect him back potentially for training camp. And I, I guess that's all we can say for Albert. O. is that about fair?
2: Yeah. I should have traded him to you. That's all I can think about. I, that's, I mean, you I probably were asking think- for too much. <laughs> I probably jinxed him. I was like, "Oh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta remember." Look, just
1: because I love a guy doesn't mean I'm gonna overpay. I'll pay market value, but you know, maybe a little bit more. But I'm not gonna pay my value because my value, <laughs> like, you, I, this always happens in leagues I'm in. Guys will look at my rankings. They're like, "Oh, they, he has Albert O at like tight end 15 or whatever I was." They're like, "I'll ask for that value." It's like, "Well, no, that's that's where I have him." The world doesn't have him there, so I am not going to pay you the. If I am the highest in the world, I am not paying that price. Like, pass. You can have them. You you have them for that price, you know. But uh, but no, I I think um you know you are smart to go after the guy that loves them. So that's actually a good process as well. But you know, a lot of times, just uh, you have to make your own decision as to whether or not that's a guy you believe in. And if you don't sell them for the most to the guy who loves them the most, that'd have been me. So I think I was paying fair prices. You know, he was certainly a a fourth round. Pick at best, I think. I don't think he slipped into too many third rounds, maybe. So at best, he was a, a twenty twenty third. third. Uh, I was willing to pay a 2021 20, second for him. And I think I was offering a little bit of juice on that, but not much. Some really, maybe some tertiary players. But that's all I could do, man. I'm not going to pay any more than that, you know? And so. Um, but yeah, I, now certainly, uh, I'll pay you less, maybe a 21 third or something like that for
2: Alberto. Yeah, we, we can talk about it. I, I'm you still got, learning the the nuances of, of playing in some undroppable leagues this year. And, and it's part of the, the game theory, right? Is kind of figuring out who, who's willing to overpay or come in hot or who do you got to play some games with? So, uh, it, it's been fun. I, I was, there's just some tough that. leagues,
1: man. You look up at the standings and it's like, you know, you got chalk killing it always. You know, you got terminator you got paula you got bz you just like jeez louise man i gotta beat all these guys to win this league this is ridiculous you know so yeah it's pretty it's pretty tough and uh sometimes you just gotta stand pat because you know i'm i'm almost afraid to transact with these guys too for fear
2: of like you know transacting my way to last place (laughs) (laughs) no that that, that's fair i mean it's it's it makes it fun right i mean it's it's uh there's a lot of strategy and that goes into it. No doubt. So
1: just a real quick recap, we can expect, what what would be your guess uh, seeing Fant this week
2: or no, or or when, if not? I think there's, a small bit of optimism that he plays this week because he was actually able to return into the game. But at the same point I would, if I had Noah Fant, I'd be trying to maybe make some contingencies after the waiver wire ran and just grab somebody for free as a backup. And then if I don't see Noah Fant on that Friday practice report, uh, prepare for not having Noah Fant on Sunday. Got it. So still a possibility he plays and maybe a probability, but kind of a little murky. Uh, yep.
1: So I don't mean to get Travis excited but are you ready for this one?
2: What about Nick Chubb? Let's go, baby. Let's get oh, baby. let's get Travis fired up here. Um,
0: I th- oh dude, Please. I saw
2: reports. I saw reports that uh, Nick Chubb back at practice. That lines up with his timeline for an MCL sprain. Um, I think when you're talking about some of these injuries, it, it's good to understand the player that it's applying to. So for, for Nick Chubb running back, obviously you got to have some lateral agility and to, and to do that, you need that stability at the knee with an MCL. For the most part, you allow that to heal slap a knee brace on there. Nick Chubb's kind of more of a North South runner. He doesn't really dance around in the backfield, like a Le'Veon bell type where I would think an MCL sprain would more hinder him a little bit more so I think there's a real possibility we get some Nick Chubb back this week and I'm, I'm excited to see him play if he does
0: so are my dynasty teams buddy so are my dynasty teams um, <laughs> I, I've got, got him on a like eight, eight or nine sleeper teams yeah please please I might need about three or four minutes to just take a break if that's okay Jax
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us, tell no, us that's good your, news tell man. Us about your Nick Chubb
0: Uh, Well, it's large and and throbbing and um, no, it's I, I just have a lot of Nick Chubb on a lot of teams where I've been hanging in there at four and four and to hang in there and then get Nick Chubb back mid season is going to be a really nice boost to some teams. So Adam, I was actually really looking forward to seeing what you had to say about that. And um, that was a great answer, my friend. Well, I'm glad I could uh,
2: deliver some good injury news for once about a player.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, in- it's interesting with Nick Chubb because, you know, he might be a guy you could trade for right now. I think, you know, Kareem hunt there, you know, the, but Nick Chubb sort of makes his own hay, right? I mean, he had, you know, you know, in four games, he had four touchdowns, almost four hundred yards. He was averaging six yards a pop. Like, this kid is legit, you know, and I know the targets aren't there, and that's the the thing that holds him back from being truly elite. Uh if he just if he'd get four targets a game, he'd be maybe, you know, amongst the best uh in, in the NFL. But they kind of reserved that role for Kareem Hunt. But this offensive line is really good. I think they're gonna st- Take a quick peek at their schedule, too. they get got Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, Baltimore's tough. But then in the playoffs, they've got Giants and Jets. Giants and Jets. You think that might be a positive game script?
2: Yeah. And it's good that you talk about the schedule, too, because I think – some fantasy gamers first game back for nick chubb coming off a a significant knee injury would be hesitant to put him in their lineups i mean even if he's on a a snap count if i told you nick chubb gets 10 touches against the houston defense i mean everyone's salivating
0: over that (laughs) you know yep that's gonna include a touchdown so you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting pretty
1: yeah, the one I wanted to hear about is, is is George Kittle. So, you know, I have George Kittle on a number of playoff teams, and it sounds like he's done for the season. They've, they've shut him down, and and that's just kind of a bummer. You know, if they were competitive, was he going to play? Like, didn't he want to play? Like, what what was his injury? Kind of what was going on? I mean, it's just kind of a bummer. I, I Honestly, with Kittle, I just was like, I didn't even read. I couldn't stand to even read. I didn't even read anything about I I know nothing about what happened to him other than, He's off so many of my playoff teams, and I just sat there with my head in my hands. So, you know, tell the people what's going on, and and and, and tell us what we can give us some good news on Kittle, would you?
2: Um, so I can't lie, and it, it I don't I don't love the the George Kittle situation for for a couple reasons here. So he had a fracture in his foot, a small bone in his foot called the cuboid. What people need to realize with that is the blood supply to those foot bones. Um, is limited and ultimately what's going to cause healing in the body is increased blood flow and, and things like that. So, some of those smaller bones in your foot take a longer time to heal. And we saw that a lot with uh, Debo Samuel this offseason, different injury, but similar a, a fracture and a small bone in his foot. So, the timetable that the 49ers were throwing at us was eight weeks. And then I saw something that Kittle told Kyle Shanahan that he'll be back in two weeks. I'm thinking that was based on the fact that when you have a fracture like that and they put you in some type of boot or cast, they bring you back in two weeks to see how the fracture is healing and see if they need to adjust. Um, It sounds like they're, Trying to manage it conservatively without surgery, but they want to see how it's healing. And if in two weeks it's not healing well, they explore surgical options. So, my thinking is George Kittle heard two weeks that he's coming back to get a reevaluated and said, and we know the type of player that George Kittle is and the personality he has. He says, well, if I'm getting reevaluated in two weeks, I'm going to be back in two weeks. And that's really not going to be the case. I mean, this is going to be a, 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 a site. Um, that's going to take a while to heal. A lot of the research that I've seen out there is, you know, at least six weeks. So the eight week timeline, uh, lines up. I think the earliest that you can see George Kittle back is week 14. More realistic that he's back in week 16. Um, it's going to be one of those things that, we're gonna to have to wait and see, but I, I wouldn't be expect uh, wouldn't be expecting to have George Kittle back anytime soon.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of what I've done. I've I, you know when I heard the him say two weeks, it made me love him even more because like they are basically like we're, he's out for the season. He's like, I'll be back in two weeks, uh, which is exactly like you say, just like George Kittle. It's so awesome, but you know when you hear eight weeks, eight weeks is the worst one because it's like. You know, even if he comes back, you don't want to play him in his first week back. And that's going to be your fantasy playoffs, perhaps your Super Bowl. And, yeah, it's really murky and and difficult to project what's going to happen on a first week back. I mean, so, yeah, unless he's back in five or six weeks and he plays a game and is awesome and fine, then you can roll him out for the playoffs. That's one thing. I just don't think that's going to happen. So, really, contingency plans was something that I was certainly doing uh, in, in all these leagues that I have. Kittle. Thankfully, actually, in a, in a lot of them, I did have, you know, in, in tight end premium leagues, a lot of times you do have other tight ends. And in a couple of, uh, one, one particular spot, a, a big league, I had Darren Waller, uh, which was great to have him as, you know, sort of a backup and then uh, picked up Logan Thomas. So there's definitely some some tight ends out there. We probably won't touch too many, but, you know, Logan Thomas is a guy that I would I would try and target. You know, he, he can be had pretty inexpensively. A lot of people are a little bit hesitant with Tunyon as well uh you know is up and down here and there um you know uh, but i think he's another option that you can maybe add inexpensively that could give you some strong return Uh, austin hooper's been out uh and coming back and a lot of people may fear that he's he's toast um you know there's there's some options so so dig deep and figure out uh albert o was going to be one of those guys but popped an acl harrison bryant has um you know Austin Hooper coming back, so that's a that's a sort of a murky situation. Um, wait, let me check the New England roster. Nope, nobody there. Okay, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Just checking. The Bears have I a understand. couple.
0: The Bears have a couple. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I remember the best Trav. You'll you'll remember this in the offseason. There was this tweet that came out or whatever. There, there were the Bears had eleven tight ends. Like they had mm-hmm. eleven tight ends on the on the roster, and I, I think I tweeted. I said the bears have 11 tight ends on the roster and none of them are named Trey Burton. How is that
0: possible? (laughs) Like that was Burton uh... that just left.
1: It was like, how did they, you know, how do they have 11 tight ends and none of them are Trey Burton? You know, it just didn't make any sense. No doubt. You know, so, Hey, so here, here, here it is, you know, let's get right into it. You know, you guys are, uh, all, you know, you know, nine and oh, oh, and nine, obviously those are easy to figure out. Um, but here's the time of year, and you guys can speak to this. I mean, I, you know, but he, this is what I'm, I'm thinking at this time of year. You're either a team kind of going for it or a team not going for it. And it was it was making me think because I've got a lot of teams that I, I took over, um, you know, orphans this year. Um, and, you know, some of them are really bad. and And it's really a challenge to make them better because you can't even trade your players for anything because nobody wants them. You know, you're like, hey, Larry Fitzgerald could help you out down the stretch. And no one is giving – I mean, okay, you can maybe get a fifth. But even then you're like kind of begging someone, hey, man, you could probably use them. Maybe just give me a fifth. Like that's just sucks. That I hate it. You know, I hate being in those situations. So, you know, in those situations, we've all have those teams. We all have that situation. When you've got a guy like Larry Fitzgerald or fill in the blank – I use him because he's a real easy one to illustrate – drop his ass, you know – pick up some young guys that at the very least will at least be in the league next year. You know, what are the odds that Larry Fitzgerald plays another year? I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's probably better than, than I think it is, but you get my point. Like, you know, he's not helping you, you know, uh, Devonte Freeman's not helping you. Like whatever you can do to get these guys off your team and just get younger in any sort of way is, is smart. You know, you don't even want him on your team because either potential points or if you play him, he might help you win a game. Um, you know, so if you're in a rebuild, remember that you should also be thinking about what type of players you want on your team. Like I just traded away uh, Sterling Shepherd; He was starting to play so good. I didn't I couldn't have him on my team. You know, I'm going to rebuild. He's going to score me too many points. I need him out of here. He's he's helping me win too much. You know, and he's really he's 27, 28 years old. He's going to be 28, 29 next year. Uh, He's probably not the answer for me going forward. I traded him straight up for a 21-second, whatever. Uh, He's probably worth a little bit more than that, but not on my team. I don't care. Move on. Now, if I were a competitive team, no way I'm letting him go because he's going to help me win. So understand the difference. I see a lot of this stuff on Twitter where it's like, would you rather have this or that? It's like you know, I I made a trade in a a big 16-team league. I traded three first-round picks. Uh, maybe plus but about but three first round picks for Alvin Kamara 16 team league now that team is loaded it's got Dalvin Miles Sanders and Kamara well I wouldn't do that if I'm a rebuilding team maybe I would but probably not because those three first round picks you know I want to use those as a a multitude of capital to try and you know uh, actually give my team multiple starting players so Maybe even a quarterback because I'm missing one in a super flex or whatever. But, you know, in that in that team, with in that league with that team, that's the right trade. So, again, you know, you see these polls, this or that. It's like you really need to know the context. And right now you guys have to start thinking about that if you're in your dynasty teams. What are you going to do in order to make your team better right away? You know, um, and, and I think that's something that we're going to touch on right now. And, and these guys do know what they're talking about. That's for sure. And the first one is like going to hit me like a a nail to the heart because I'm a JT 101 guy. He was my guy. I've got him everywhere. And this was a tough week. So we're going to ask these guys about Jonathan Taylor, what they're doing. Um, I'm going to ask them first, and I'll I'll come around and share my thoughts just afterwards. But guys, Jonathan Taylor, um, I guess I'll frame the question. Are you concerned? Obviously you're concerned to some degree, but to what level are you concerned? Uh, You know, one to 10, maybe, or give me your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor.
0: Well, I think for me, Jax, like the, from a dynasty lens, I'm not super, super concerned. I would say from a one to 10, I'm probably only about a two or a three concerned. And obviously we wanted Jonathan Taylor to come in and, you know, light the league on fire. I was also a JT one Oh one guy, Jax. Um, And I'm still holding a hope for that. And I actually said it on Twitter to somebody a little bit earlier today that um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the situation that Miles Sanders was in in his rookie year last year and kind of the trajectory that he went on. Um, There was hype coming in. Everybody was expecting him to be that guy that was firmly entrenched. We did not see that early in the season. Um, He does have a good offensive line, just like Jonathan Taylor, but he wasn't very effective on the ground early last year. And um, I watched that firsthand as an Eagles fan. He wasn't hitting holes. He was trying to do a little bit too much dancing behind the line. Um, But then, you know, he started getting a little bit more work later down the season and he ended up finishing as the running back 15 in PPR. Um, and I would probably say that Miles Sanders is like a top 12 dynasty running back as far as consensus goes. But um, so it kind of reminds me of that a little bit, obviously different players, um, different ways of producing, because we saw the pass catching work with Miles Sanders as opposed to Jonathan Taylor. But I think it's too soon to be getting too concerned because we got to remember that he didn't have much of an off coming in as a rookie um, playing in a situation where there were trusted players behind him. So I'm not super concerned on JT's future just because I think he still is that running back that we thought he was going to be coming into the draft.
2: Adam, what do you say? I'm the same way. I'm going to give it a two uh, definitively. You know, there, there's a lot going on in, in Indianapolis, and um, I, I end up watching a lot of Colts games because my wife is, is a big uh, uh, diehard Colts fan. And um, I think – there's a couple things going on with Jonathan Taylor. He obviously isn't playing up to his, his standards right now, but um, that Colts team has is, is, is got a lot of problems and, and it starts with, with some blocking. And we had Tommy Moe uh, put out an undroppables kind of uh, film breakdown of, of what's going on with the Colts and um, missing some blocks and things there. So I think that's working against them. Frank Wright seems to be one of these old school coaches where he wants the rookies to earn it. And they, he started the great, this game, the game, this game past weekend here against the Ravens, he started it off uh, pretty good, I thought. And then he unfortunately had that fumble and he only got one more touch throughout the entire game. I mean, I understand wanting to teach a rookie a lesson, but when he's undoubtedly your, your best running back um you know maybe make him sit out a series or two but to punish him the entire game you know he's not going to be the first player or the last player to fumble a football in a, uh in a game so i didn't quite understand that to be honest you know th- um Travis talked about Miles Sanders getting off to a slow start there were some people you know going back to 2017 that were worried about you know Christian McCaffrey and him getting off to a slow start sometimes these rookies take a little bit of time to develop. I mean, can you imagine selling Christian McCaffrey after his first six games of his rookie career and saying this guy isn't going to be what I thought he was because um, he was only getting, you know, eight, four, six, three, four rushing attempts a game? I mean, that that doesn't make any sense. So I'd wait it out. I think the talent's there for Jonathan Taylor. Um, and, it, you know, it, I would think things – I'm going to bet on the on the talent of the player for sure, and I think things get better going forward.
1: Well, that's interesting to hear. I mean, I you know, let, let's just say it's a lot of doom and gloom. I think it's time to cut bait. I think it's time to just get off the JT train, um, you know, sell them for whatever you can, you know, absolutely do whatever it takes to get off. Now, if you're in a league with me and you own JT, pause the podcast and go check your inbox. <laughs> you might have a trade there because I am trading for JT anywhere I can. I'm going to go get them. I love them. Uh, I'm not losing faith at all. I think you're 100 right. he he was looking pretty good in this game. Uh, there is some dysfunction in that in that team. Uh, we haven't seen you know one ounce of TY Hilton. Pittman's been out, Paris Campbell's been out. Uh, rivers is, you know everybody is down on 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 rivers. Um, he fumbled, he got benched. It happens. I don't know that it would happen to him if he was in his third or fourth year. I think they'd probably let him roll through it, but you're right, he's getting rookie treatment. Um he's maybe a little overwhelmed, but it's gonna come down to whether or not he's built like AJ Brown upstairs or whether he's built like JJ white Whiteside upstairs. Like this kid needs to just come back and like show who he is. Um, I think he's going to do that. I think he's gonna be just fine. Um it does hurt this year because right now it's like, you know, we were kind of hoping that he would be, you know starting to run away with this job, whether Marlon Mack had gotten hurt or not right now was when we were saying, okay, he's going to split, split, split. He's going to have some, some, some boom plays, and then he's going to take off. Well, I think, you know, with Marlon Mack getting hurt, he was thrust into that role and sort of was forced to make mistakes and sort of carry a load that he probably truly wasn't ready for. Um, You know, and so he made mistakes and it was trial by fire. And Wilkins is actually a pretty good little player. He's a veteran. They brought him in. He's making the right play. And so now it looks like from the novice eye, neither one of you guys are that because you neither one of you fell for the bait. Both of you are not worried. Two on the worry level, even though I hear a lot of worry elsewhere. We didn't talk about this previously. So I'm with you guys 100%. My worry level is probably one or two though because it it's not good, right? Like So we have to have... Some trepidation because, you know, as you start to walk down the path, I mean, if he continues to play like this, obviously that's not going to work. So he does have to get better at some point, but I think that's coming. Hopefully hopefully it turns around this year and he can be someone that helps you win uh, this year. Uh, I know that I have him on a lot of competitive teams and I could really use him to be uh, Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, um, hopefully hopefully I won a few trades there. Hopefully someone paused it at the right time, but, you know, who knows? Um but yeah, give him
2: to me. I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, I was waiting for it. Let's jump on. I mean, it <laughs> is just no doubt. So while we're jumping on, are you guys also ready to jump on my shoulders and march down the middle of the road and let everybody know that Dalvin Cook is the running back one and the uh, the 1.01 in non-super flex leagues? Are you with me? Let's go.
0: No, not yet, Jax. What? Not yet.
1: Okay. <laughs> Tell me who you got. Why, why You're leaving not us now? behind,
0: buddy. <laughs> well, I think he's right up there. Like, I think this was a really good question because I think we're getting almost to a point where we can almost split hairs between like those top four running backs, right? Like coming into this season, it was Christian McCaffrey, maybe Saquon Barkley in a tier of their own. Um, but for me, I think Alvin Kamara is elevated up there. And then Dalvin Cook has elevated up there as well. I think for me, it's just the injuries are a little bit worrisome because Adam, I'm definitely no doctor, um, but I think there are some sort of patterns in his injuries that aren't good for running backs. So um, I think when he's healthy, he's elite. And I think given health, he's going to be near the top every season in carry volume, big plays, red zone work and all that stuff. But I just think with the injuries that he's had and that kind of the path he's taken compared to those other running backs, he's not quite up there for me yet.
1: I'm going to jump in real quick, Adam. Hold on one sec. When you talk about injuries, you mean like Saquon Barkley's high ankle sprain last year or his ACL this year or Christian McCaffrey's high ankle sprain and AC joint or Alvin Kamara who doesn't even get 10 carries because they're always trying to nurture him and not get him hurt in his high ankle sprain last year? You mean those injuries or Miles Sanders being out or (laughs) any, any of these running backs who are out? Chubb, all of them. Mixon's out. I mean, I'm so tired of Dalvin Cook being the guy who's injury prone. When all these running backs miss time, and nobody says, "Well, now all of a sudden they this is nonsense. So I, you know, you can you can <laughs> you can keep saying it if you want, but to me, this is utter nonsense. You know, I had people saying, "Well, he was he was always injured in college." Look, he he hurt his shoulder. I think he missed one game in college. He dominated at Florida State. He dominated every single season. He was one of the most productive backs in college football history. So he wasn't always hurt in college. He got hurt because he was dominating so much. I mean, his shoulders hurt because he was carrying the entire team on his back. So Dalvin Cook is the best pure running back in the league. He's one of the best catching backs. I mean, if you talk about receiving backs, Kamara, McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey's a stud. Okay, so McCaffrey, if you want to tell me McCaffrey's number one or Saquon's number one, sure. But neither one of those two guys are playing football right now. We just heard McCaffrey's going to be out three more games if and when he comes back, is he going to be the same with the shoulder? Barkley, boy, oh boy, what a what a tough what a tough blow! I love Saquon. I think he was the best you know prospect I've ever scouted uh, in Dynasty Football. But Dalvin was right up there. He was my running back one in that class over McCaffrey, Fournette, and Mixon. And I don't see why it he shouldn't still be. He popped an ACL. He had a tough recovery in year two, but since then, he's been. He's been pretty damn good. He won you leagues last year if you owned him. Oh, and he's yeah. winning you leagues again this year if you own him. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to have him on your team. And I don't know why you'd want to have him behind any of those other guys who are not winning you leagues this year except maybe Camara. But uh, you know, so for me it's 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 something where you can say he's he's not as good or what but I don't know that you can even say he's more injury prone than the guys who are all injured right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely more Adam's book, so I'll let you weigh in on that, buddy. But I think especially for the situations around them, I think the the Vikings are going to continue to ride him with that heavy carry load. Um, and trust, trust me, Jax, I hope he holds up because if he's healthy, like I said, he is elite just like those guys. But when you look at the pass catching, he's not going to get near the pass catching targets that... Christian McCaffrey, Kamara or Barkley are going to get. So I think when he's missing a couple of games a season, granted, those guys are missing games, too. I mean, Barkley's missed two full seasons, um, but I think he is all of that offense and he does it really well in both facets and gets volume in both facets, Um, whereas Dalvin Cook doesn't necessarily get the volume in the passing game, even though he is just as good as those guys in doing so. So that would just be my little rebuttal there, but I kind of want to hear what uh, what Adam has to say about the about the injury path that Dalvin Cook has taken in comparison to some of these other guys.
2: Yeah, I, I was going to say. I mean, can you imagine if uh, your your uh, startup, I mean, your redraft leagues fading Dalvin Cook because you were I, there was a lot of chatter about his shoulder injuries and worrying about him, you know, being an injury risk? Can you imagine fading him in the first round and not getting a guy like this? Um, he was somebody that, it, to me, it's football. Like he, he, that would be the biggest injury concern. I would rank his recurrent shoulder injuries first. Obviously, the history of ACL. There's research that out there that shows uh, over time that can affect, you know, the the knee stability and and knee mobility long term. But the shoulder injuries, I think, were, we're scaring a lot of people with Dalvin Cook. It, and for me, it's it's football. I mean, he's going to get tackled. He's going to get hit. That stuff kind of happens. Um, I'd be interested. I haven't broken down the numbers entirely. It seems like last year he was getting similar rushing attempts, but he was more involved in the receiving game. So, uh, I think he was actually getting more touches last year on a per game basis than he was Mm -hmm. this year. And that that might be Minnesota just saying, Hey, um, we've got a guy that's crazy efficient, kind of like an Alvin Camaro, crazy efficient. We don't need to run him into the ground, uh, relatively speaking. So I I'm not really that worried i I think these injuries happen it's football especially for for the running back position that's partly why their careers are so short short compared to other players um you know the guy's 25 years old i think he's definitely you know a top five uh dynasty piece over overall you know top three running back i would still put McCaffrey and I'm I'm a big Alvin Kamara stand, so I'd probably put Alvin Kamara just a a notch ahead of him, but he he's certainly in the conversation.
1: Yeah, it's fair enough, and and look, the targets are, are interesting. He had like 65 targets last year, you know. This year, he's gotten two or more in every game he's played, but he hasn't had a big target, you know, game or season at all this year. He's he's definitely you know not quite getting the targets. I mean, but here's the thing: he is he's just killing it with every target he gets. I mean, he's almost 10 yards per target. Never mind per catch.
0: He's got uh he's got over 13 yards after the catch per reception, which <laughs> is number go. 1 in the league. So, there like, you he's go. he's fantastic. But he's got 22 targets on the season, which is just the killer because that 63 that he had last year is plenty for him to give you a top 5 season if he stays healthy for the whole season with how good he is rushing, how many red zone touches he gets. Just yeah, I want to see more targets, man, because if you look at that, he's just elite like i said in that category
1: you know when when he's cooking uh pardon the pun but when he's cooking he he just looks so good out there i mean he is you know he's he's explosive he's got great balance he's got extremely good vision um and he seems to run away from people and that's why he's got that you know 13 yards after the catch or is that what you said after the catch or after contact yeah. on on his per, catches
0: per reception per after reception the catch, per reception
1: unbelievable right so i mean it's he nuts. is yeah it's nuts he, so, and so he's, he's, you know, it, he actually has 224 yards receiving. No, actually, excuse me. Uh, One three
0: on the year so far on 16 receptions. There you go. And his, his average target is two yards behind the line of scrimmage. So he's getting that first down on his own after the catch, essentially.
1: There you go. I was just looking forward. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's just, he's just so efficient. So that, that, that's been really, really great for him. And, and, and I just, you know, I think I tweeted earlier this week. I said um, if Dalvin had just played these last two games, he's still a top twenty-three uh, running back this year. So you know he's winning. He's winning you league. He's winning you weeks, and that's really what you want a player to do. I mean, if you had Dalvin on your team these last two weeks, you're two and zero in those games. I mean, barring a miracle, right? The the other guy I wanted to get to, guys, I want to hear what you have to say. And 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 a, and this is actually right up. Adam, this is this is right in your wheelhouse. I I was buying this guy. Um, you know, Todd Gurley has, you know, everybody jumped ship as if, you know, he he, he was infected with something and was going to die the next day. Like, I mean, yes, he's been slowed down, but he hasn't really. I mean, you know, so far this season, he is, let me just get this right. He's the running back six, I think, in total points, depending on how you look. I play in half PPR. I'm looking at half PPR. Uh, maybe he's a little lower than that if you f- play full PPR, but he, he's basically still a top 5 to 10 running back in the NFL he's scoring touchdowns he has 9 rushing touchdowns like the dude just finds the end zone like you know I, I, you know he hasn't looked outstanding but he hasn't looked bad and he hasn't cost you much in any league whether it was redraft dynasty he still doesn't cost much he's extremely inefficient i mean he's extremely cheap to purchase in a dynasty league you can probably get him with a late first maybe even a second or a couple seconds. I don't even think it would take a first to prime away from someone at this point. They're just so, especially if the team's not winning, they're just like, Oh my God, I found a way to get off them. So why not Todd Gurley? And I guess that question is for you, Adam. Am I, am I kind of playing with fire with this guy?
2: So I think, I feel like you're singling me out there and talking directly about me. Cause <laughs> I was definitely somebody that uh, was, was uh, <laughs> fading Todd Gurley a little bit. And honestly, you know, not to be, uh, too caught up in, in my preseason projections, but I'm going to kind of dig my heels in here. I, I don't have a lot of a lot of evidence for for the Tiger thing. I, I think a lot of his numbers have been uh, influenced by those nine touchdowns, which have kind of saved a lot of his fantasy production. Looking at the, you know, it's not a super objective, but just the eye test, I don't think he's really looked that good. The Falcons are definitely limiting his workload, which I think is smart. Right, because that that was my fear with Todd Gurley he signed a two year deal. Atlanta knows that, and they're just going to kind of run him into the ground, and he's not going to make it. And I think they they know that. They're trying to space out his touches here a little bit. Uh, he's definitely their red zone back, their goal line back, um, and he's still got a nose for the end zone. So, like I said, that's that's saved a lot of his fantasy production. But I, I think we're we're looking at the the tail end here of some some elite Todd Gurley production. I, I wouldn't be surprised if end of the season early next season he kind of falls off a cliff i i i've seen enough with his his knees flaring up and, and him having problems and then i feel like i got some confirmation bias this year just based on the way the falcons are using him that uh he he doesn't have a lot left in the tank that's just my personal opinion but um yeah trav
0: yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of in both camps actually jacks because i have historically been um A I have him on a couple of really important rosters where he won me a couple of titles and I'll be completely honest with you. There are times where I let my heart get involved in my fantasy uh, management, but, um, and then, you know, having him on rosters and hoping he can still do well, seeing that he goes to that good situation in Atlanta. Um, and then just like Adam says, he doesn't look like he's got a whole bunch of explosion. Now I will give him that he's been more explosive than he was last year. Um, but the, the tricky piece, and I think the the spot where dynasty managers get hesitant is the future because he signed that one year deal and he's not getting passing work, but he is still converting on all those touchdowns, which, um, you know, he's sustained those over his career. So it just seems like where he goes, he's going to get used for that because he's got a nose for the end zone. So I am a little bit worried with the contract uncertainty and the fact that I think he He's got to be one of those guys that we think is going to be solid but not spectacular anymore. So we got to bring our expectations for him down from those Rams years and just expect him to be that guy who you feel good about as the running back two on your roster as opposed to the running back one. Um, It's obviously a bonus that he's producing as a running back six right now, but I think for Dynasty... Dynasty managers, you got to be looking into at least next offseason and seeing what you're going to do there because we don't know where he's going to be. I think for me, I hope he goes back to Atlanta just because uh, we've seen top 10 production out of him and we don't know he's going to get that elsewhere, but it's, uh, it's a bit of a risky proposition. He may also be one of those guys that you just let ride off into the sunset on your roster because the production outweighs the return in any form of trade.
1: So, yeah, that's such a good a tough answer, guy, man. No, that's a great answer. You, you actually nailed it. I thought that was exactly correct because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, he's, guess what? He just turned 26, and what is Dynasty Game Theory 101? When, whenever you've got a running back that is getting to be 25, 26, 27, in that range you're looking to get off him, get out of there, especially if they have great value. But you said it. If he doesn't return value, he's worth more to you as your RB2 than he is, you know, selling light. So, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, maybe you wait a little while to sell light. Let him, let him have all this uh, this season. Maybe you sell light in the offseason when he gets signed someplace. Maybe there's some renewed excitement and you sell mm-hmm. light then. I mean, at least give yourself, again, I always, you know, it's, it's situational. I mean, if your team is dog shit and he's your former RB1 and now he's your only RB1 and you got nothing else, hey, look, maybe you sell light and move on and who cares? Like, you know, I need to get something. Uh, I don't want to be left holding the bag. Fair enough. But if you're at all competitive, you know, I I mean, I'd wait for maybe a spike in value. You know, to your point, he has not been targeted enough uh, as he only has, uh, you know, uh, a handful of targets. But he, you know, usage say, you guys mentioned his usage is down. I mean, he's third in the NFL in carries. I mean, the usage is there. It's kind of interesting. I mean, he's going into his buy. He probably won't be third after this week, but. You know, the 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 22 targets, not a lot, but here's the real kicker. 15 catches, only 79 yards receiving. That's mm-hmm. really bad. So he's been really bad in the passing game. Atlanta's not necessarily known uh, for featuring running backs out of the backfield. I, I don't know that, you know, thinking of uh, Matt Ryan and that history, I don't really think there's been anybody who's really lit it up. Um, you know, well, actually
0: Jack's like yeah, Devonta Freeman had 84 targets last year, which I was mean... a surprise to me just seeing it a, um, and something that I was hoping that Gurley really was going to get coming into this year. But, yeah. um, you know, thankfully they can score that team and he has been getting those touchdowns. Cause like Adam says, if those fall off, then he's fallen off too.
1: I'm not looking at it right now. Was he productive with those targets at all? I mean, if you have it in front of you
0: Freeman, Freeman, absolutely not. No, (laughs) no. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, it's one thing to target. I mean,
1: at this particular point, he's got 22, let's say he ends up with 50 or 60, Mm -hmm. maybe 55, whatever. Um, Still, you know, the production's not there. I mean, 22 targets is fine. That's what, uh, that's what Dalvin cook has. He has 200 and Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, (laughs) right. And this guy's got 79 yards on those same targets. So, um, yeah, it's kind of what you're going to get from those targets, whether they're just sort of you know, desperation dump-offs where you get tackled immediately or are they sort of in rhythm, you know, uh, you know an Alvin Kamara target, right, where, I mean, he's escaping the backfield and, and breaking free to that second level. Those are the type of targets you want to see a back, a back get. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I think they're not all created the same, but I, I would still, I'm with you, I would have liked to have seen more. But you're right, he made up for it with these touchdowns. Had he not scored nine touchdowns, you're right, Adam, he would not be viewed as well as he would be. I mean, he'd be, you know, somewhere, you know, in that, you know, uh, outside an RB1 somewhere, you know, 10 to 15. But, you know, he has scored those touchdowns, and somehow or another this Atlanta team continues to score touchdowns, uh, and somehow they hand it to Todd Gurley to do so. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm with you. Um, moving on, though, here's a, here's a panic. Here's a, here's a guy to sell. Uh, Zeke Elliott, boy, oh boy, uh, I, I am, I am, I am ready to sell if I own Zeke in Dynasty. Uh, a- a- any challenges to this assertion?
0: Yeah, I, I, it's kind of tricky. I think I'm, I think I'm personally holding Zeke for now. Um, obviously if you can get, you know, Zeke return for it. So top five running back return, but I don't think you're getting that from someone who's seeking out a trade for him right now. I think that person's going to want to get a little bit of a discount and I'm not willing to put a discount on Zeke just yet.
2: So, yeah, I, it, it's tough because it, even when Dak was healthy, I don't think Zeke was playing particularly well even then. Um, so if you can get something on on name value alone, um, that'd be nice. But at this point, he's he's laid a couple stinkers out there that I think he's left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. That it, it might be hard to get um, Zeke value for him. So similar to like what you guys were talking about with Todd Gurley, I guess he's he's just kind of. A hold unless you can you can get um some good name value for him but it, it'd be tough it'd be tough to give up zeke for for anything less than you know first round caliber yeah i think i disagree with you
1: guys i mean and, he's got he's got a buy here i think you're gonna find somebody who will pay close to market value and i was doing my dynasty uh ranks and hey i might be wrong on this one but you know i'm now the lowest of the undroppables on him at running back nine, I started to look at it and, you know, would you rather have him or Derrick Henry?
0: I think I'd probably have rather have Zeke for the long term. I definitely would rather have Zeke.
1: Okay. Uh so that means that you'd rather have Zeke by a lot next year, right? Because you certainly wouldn't want Zeke rest of season, right?
0: No, not over Derek Henry, of course, but I think, you know, when I'm under the assumption that Dak's going to end up coming back on a contract, Jax. I think I was listening back to the pod with Mike Lou, And uh, I think you mentioned that you, you were hopeful that Dak comes back as well. And so if I'm playing dynasty, I'm looking two to three years down the road and I project Dak back into that offense with the pieces that they've got right now, a healthier offensive line. Um, and it's just going to be wheels up like Zeke's target, like his projected target volume is higher than it was last year so we saw that huge number two years ago dipped last year and it's back up so we're seeing some more of that up like some some more that upside volume from zeke he hasn't been as productive i'll give him that but i mean the last two games against pittsburgh was one of them which is a great defense um philly's run defense has been the only thing that their defense could hold their hat on lately so um those are the past two games which are a little bit tough as far as rushing defenses so um i'm giving zeke the benefit of the doubt especially for the future with my assumption that Dak is going to be back under center and he's going to be getting those targets.
1: I guess, I mean, for me, I guess if you're, if you're a competing team right now and you're trying to win the ship right now, Zeke is not the guy you want to be riding right now. So, I mean, if I can put something together where I do get Derek Henry, you know, for him, and even if I have to, you know, pay a little profit, not a ton, obviously, because I have them very close back to back in my rankings, but I know Derrick Henry is going to give me a better chance of winning this year, or at least I would assume that, especially based off of their schedule. Go check, Uh, but you know, so their schedule, but you know, also okay. So here's the main point: if I'm a Zeke owner and I'm and I'm winning and I'm gonna, you know, I might have a chance to win. If I if I don't win the ship because Zeke was holding me back and I had an opportunity to make a trade for a back that might be more productive right now. I think I I want to try and do that. I want to try and leverage Zeke into the back that that might help me win this year. You know, even an Aaron Jones type might be a great guy to target because that 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 owner might be might be hip to it. Um, but if I'm not winning, then I'm going to be hanging my hopes on rebuilding around a 26 year old Ezekiel Elliott going into 2021. Maybe it's time to sell in that regard too. I, I just don't know. I mean, I think if I thought about all the scenarios of different teams, I might have. I'm not saying that Zeke is done. I think he'll have a good 2021. I agree with you there. I mean, that that part I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I just don't think he's very strong down the stretch here. Brutal schedule. Um, and you know, okay, at Minnesota is fine. Washington's no cup of tea. Baltimore, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philly. I mean, I, I don't know. It's not great. The team is just. It's not good, you know. They're never in scoring position now. Garrett Gilbert showed him some. I mean, he might be better for them than than uh, than Andy Dalton, but I don't know. I am a little bit nervous about Zeke. Look, I love him; he's a great player. I am um, just wondering, you know, where his value is given this season and then a twenty six year old season going next year. We'll leave it at that. You guys made some excellent points. Um, I, I certainly would be on the fence. Put it this way: if I were if I were running a team with you guys. I probably do whatever you want to do here, but I, I, I'm exploring some trade options. Is what I want to do. I want to I want to start having conversations, trying to figure out what his value is, so that I can make a decision. Again, because you're right, going into 2021, his value will probably be right back up again, and he'll be a you know a, a top five uh, redraft pick again. I think you're right on the money. Moving on, we're going to look at a couple of, of quick ones here that are also more running backs. I mean, there's just a lot of of running back issues right now. Whether it be injuries to the running backs or injuries to players around them, like in Zeke's case, in this case, out in, out in LA with the Rams, we have one of my favorite player, two of my favorite players, really, Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. But you know, Cam Akers is one of my favorite prospects to come along in a long time. I think he's a, a, a an elite running back prospect. I don't think Daryl Henderson is. I thought he was very good, close to elite, but I think Cam Akers is a better prospect coming in, and he's been a little snake bitten and. You know, a little bit of that rookie, uh, you know, tough love rookie stuff that we were talking about with JT. But going forward, we kind of have to figure out what the hell we're doing. Uh, Cam got a few looks there in the last game uh, before the bye. He may come out and and command, you know, more than a 50% uh, touch share of that running back, uh, uh, you know, backfield. Do you guys think that's possible? Not possible? Probable? Not probable? We'll start with the doctor. He knows what's up. Adam, what's going on
2: here? Yeah, I I think it's tough with Cam Akers because for for some of that stuff with you talking about him being a great prospect, I kind of defer to to you and Travis um, in terms of what you saw from him in college because I obviously didn't watch a lot of him in college. I know going into my rookie draft, he was a very uh, rookie drafts he was a very sought after prospect. The rib injury that he sustained, it you know, it, it can take eight weeks for that stuff to heal. And if you're a rookie with a truncated offseason who's then dealing with a significant injury like that, and the Rams have some guys and Malcolm Brown and, and Daryl Henderson, I don't think it's it's unfeasible for him to kind of get lost in the shuffle for that reason. And it we might be looking at kind of a lost season here for Cam Akers for for, for for those reasons. So, in my redraft leagues, um, he's somebody that I'm not super excited about just for, for those reasons. But in dynasty leagues, I think he's certainly somebody that you should be going after and trying to kick the tires on because similar to JT, his his value may never be um, lower than it is right now. Like I said, I I don't, I don't, I didn't watch him in college. I don't watch a lot of Florida state, even though I live in Florida. So I I defer to you guys in terms of your expertise uh, about the prospect that he is, but Um, Just looking at it from the injury standpoint and then the other guys there, it's feasible to me that he would uh, kind of be a lost season for him in, in 2020. Trav?
0: Yeah, well, I I too like both players, Jax. I think they're both uh, really good dual threat running backs. I mean, talking about the profiles, I'm not an expert by any means, but I know they both caught a lot of passes in college. They're both really effective runners in college. Cam Akers fought through one of the worst offensive line situations in college. So um, both great players and they're in a good offense, but coincidentally with not that great offensive line play. Um, And they also trust Malcolm Brown a lot which is really interesting. Like he's the guy who's been getting some of these targets that Daryl Henderson's not been getting. And he's got 10 carries in back-to-back games. So he's getting some of that work that we're hoping goes to Cam Akers. Sean McVay's shown that he trusts Malcolm Brown. Um, So I think for me, Cam Akers' dynasty value is still looking all right. But like you said, Adam, this is the time to buy him because people are going to be sour on him. They're going to be seeing Daryl Henderson with all this lucrative work in the end or near the end zone um, and making big plays and kind of cementing himself as a player in this backfield. And people might want to sell Cam Akers. So, um and and i say that from experience because jack's in your dino game theory league you've been coming after cam acres from me and uh you're paying those jack's prices that you were talking about (laughs) earlier so i haven't bitten on anything as of yet but um i see you buddy i see you Um, but yeah it's an interesting backfield like the the rush volume is way more than i thought it was going to be in comparison to the past volume Uh, they're up near the tops in the league in rushing attempts and so um, you want cam makers to have a piece of that pie, and I think for the future we're going to get that, but we're not going to get the potential running back two that we thought drafting him. Unfortunately,
1: no. I, I well, we haven't gotten that, and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And and I'm wondering, not this season. It's not so far, but you know he, um, it, the game he got hurt. I you know I, I I would have to go back. I don't remember exactly the game, but that game he got hurt. You know was the Philly game. He was kind of the guy He was looking good, and and that's when he hurt his, mm-hmm. his lung and or you know his ribs, which is you know of course affecting his lung. Uh, you know, he, he obviously he hasn't played since then. I mean, Adam, you can speak to that. Do, do you are are you hip and up to speed on what his exact injury was? But and speak to the fact that it's not easy to come back from, or are you unaware of exactly what happened there?
2: Yeah, he injured his, his ribs, his rib cartilage. So basically. Um, the part that articulates your rib with your actual sternum um, and it's more of a pain tolerance thing honestly like that they usually give you a, a local injection and uh, you saw the risks of those this year with, with Tyrod Taylor uh, having a, a punctured lung. But it's it's more of a pain tolerance thing, but it's super uncomfortable. Every time you take a breath, uh, for the most part, it hurts. So you could imagine, you know, the process of trying to put football pads on and then taking some hits with, with an injury like that. You know, if he's never had something like that, and depending on the significance of, of that rib injury, I mean – it would be tough. It would be tough. And like I said, if you pile on a, a limited off season this year and, and no training camp, and maybe he's a little bit behind the eight ball in, in that regard too. And now he's got to recover from this injury that, you know, he hasn't dealt with. And I don't know his college profile, if he dealt with a lot of injuries in college, but maybe, you know, if this is the first time he's had this type of uh, injury, that's kind of sidelined him, uh, You start to compile those things for, for a rookie and you could see where, you know, he, he would slide back. Yeah, no,
1: I, look, his college profile is, is about as solid as it can be. Um, you know, he really, if you look at his college profile, the only thing that stands out as, as not good was his college yards per carry. But if you dive deeper into that number, it's one of the most impressive numbers on his profile because he actually uh, endured <laughs> an offensive line that blocked negative yards for him. If he had just gotten what was blocked, he would have had negative yards rushing for the season – they literally had nothing for him, and he averaged five yards a carry. So f- f- unbelievable, you know, it's like a miracle that he was able to get himself to five yards a carry. But you know, his his dominator in college was amazing. He was a ninetieth percentile dominator. Um, he, he, you know, his target share. He's a he's an upper percentile uh, speed player. His speed score uh, is ninetieth percentile. He weighed in at two seventeen. His BMI is great. Uh, he's still 21 years old right now as we as we speak. He's very strong. Uh, he was very bursty. I uh, didn't test in the agility drills, but you know, he's just he's perfect. He's 5'10" 220 217 whatever he is. He's a second round pick. His profile is about as clean as they come. He was uh, you know, he was a uh, he was a uh, uh, you know, a high level recruit coming out of high school. He was the sort of the chalk coming in and, you know, and coming out. And, you know, He he sustains this injury. This is buy time for Cam Akers. I say go get Cam Akers. You know, obviously now I can't get him from Trav because he's on the pod he's listening to me get all excited. (laughs) But I think it's an absolute buy for for Cam Akers. I think he's that good. Um, I I don't know what happens going forward. It's kind of funny. Uh, You guys are like this. I'm in a this is real. This is a real league. I'm in a 32-team league, uh, full like IDP. It's like you start – 14 players, seven on offense, seven on defense – Uh, You only have to start one running back. I only have one running back on my entire roster. Like it's, you know, and it was Daryl Henderson going into the year. Um, (laughs) And so I was so pleased that he was doing well because this team, it's like, you know, obviously if you miss on one position, like, you know, there's 32 teams, one player copy. Like, you know, some teams don't have a quarterback, like don't have a quarterback. Um, So that can be a problem. (laughs) Um, so it's just, it's an amazing dynasty league, but, um, but so I was really happy to see, you know, Daryl Henderson, um, you know, playing so well because he's literally been, you know, a godsend for that team. But, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, I I do think this is Cam Maker's job to finally take, I'm not so sure he does it this year. Daryl Henderson's been great. He looks, first of all, he's fun as hell. Like there's few players as Mm -hmm. fun as Daryl Henderson. Like, you know, just his college tape, you want to have a good time, just put in Daryl Henderson college highlights. Like it was, he would just sometimes go on touch. He just run the length of the field touchdown, you know, it was unbelievable. So, um, I'm with you with Daryl Henderson, but I just think that when, you know, running back prototype is cam Akers, And and I think he's going to find his way there. It'll probably be by next year, but you know, who knows when that window closes, he could have a huge game in in one of the next couple of games. And, and that, 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 that team manager who has cam Akers is not going to want to give him up. So, um, I'm trying to target cam makers where I can as evidenced by Trav saying I've been trying to trade for him. Um, so <laughs> yeah, go get cam makers. If you can, don't overpay obviously, but uh, the next one is, is kind of a lot of fun too. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk on the, on, on Twitter and, 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 and dynasty podcasts all off season about these two players. One was a starting running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars and one was the guy who's gonna get, you know, eclipsed by Keyshawn Vaughn. Leonard Fournette and, and and Rojo. And now Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are fighting for the same backfield touches in Tampa Bay. And you know, if you're handicapping it, what what say you, Trav?
0: Um I'm I'm giving it to Leonard Fournette for the rest of the season. Um, if we're looking at dynasty assets, I'm I'm skeptical of both, of course, but I think they've just shown that a they're going to pass the ball a lot. We were talking a little bit before about how crazy it is that the the Buccaneers only had four rushing attempts all game last game, which is a league record for the lowest rushing attempts in a game, and they've also shown that with them passing a lot, Leonard Fournette is going to be getting a lot of targets. He's got 19 over the past three games, and he has been smoking Rojo in snap share with like, he's got 73 and and 69 the the last two games or something where Rojo has like 24 and 32% snaps. So um, I think we've already seen that Fournette's the guy that you want to own. And especially with the predominance of uh, a PPR leagues and him getting that receiving work, which we know Rojo can do, which is kind of funny, like Rojo can do some of that in the pass catching department. Um, But it looks like Arians was wanting to replace him. And I think Fournette is ultimately the more talented player. And um, it's just showing that Bruce Arians thinks so. Maybe Tom Brady thinks so too. Who knows? But uh, he's being used pretty nicely there.
1: I mean, there's not much more to say, but Adam,
2: uh, do you agree? Well, yeah, my answer is not Ronald Jones, like never Ronald Jones. I've I've never really been impressed with Ronald Jones and he had a couple of nice games this year. And then um, it didn't take much for him to get his, uh, his butt bench pretty quickly, just fumble and pretty much in the doghouse. And then I think we, uh, Travis nailed it. You know, it's going to be the Leonard Fournette show from, from here on out. So I I've never been a Ronald Jones guy (laughs) after his rookie year, getting off to a slow start. I don't have any shares in dynasty. And if I did now, I would, I would definitely be just trying to get what I can for him. I'm not, I'm not a big Ronald Jones fan.
1: Yeah. I'm with you hundred um, percent. with you both. And, and Ronald Jones is, here's the thing. He's actually played better than, than a lot of us would give him credit for, but there's mm-hmm. also something that's very, very true about the way they are using Rojo and Fournette. Ronald Jones is their, is their grinder. He's their sort of early down hammer, which is kind of weird, you know, because he was sort of a slasher uh, when he was coming out of college. But, <clears throat> he put on weight. He's not a very good receiver, so in, in a lot of ways, he's kind of done what he what he can to become as effective as he can be. But I don't want that on my on my fantasy team. I want Fournette on my fantasy team because he's the guy that when they're I mean, they played the the Saints this past week, and um, and if you look at Fournette, uh, first of all, uh, Trav, you had the the stat they ran the ball four times. You know that game. Mm -hmm. which was pretty incredible. But he was in on 31 passing downs. And, you know, in the last three games, Fournette has played in 28, 33, and 31 passing downs. Now, he only played in two running downs last game, but they only had like four runs. So, you know, they still found a way to give him the ball. But he's been the more balanced back. He's definitely their passing down back. He is uh, like second in the league in, in targets in the last three weeks. Like he's being targeted and targets are way more valuable than, than, than touches. So give me the targets and give me the talent. I mean, let's face it. We can all, you know, hate on Leonard Fournette if you want, but he was the fourth pick of the draft. He was one of the most electrifying college athletes we'd ever seen. He was a high school. Uh, he came into LSU as a wide receiver. Um, so this is a, a guy who can play receiver. Um, he, he He's just a really good football player. And, He's got some limitations in terms of wiggle as a running back, which I think, you know, are, are kind of obvious. But once he gets that big body moving forward, he's tough to bring down in the open field. So I think that's why they use the sort of slasher in, in the early downs to try and create a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, momentum in the running game. But um, you know, when it comes right down to it, uh, late in the game, uh, any sort of passing down situation, it's going to be Fournette. I think the talent will win out. Give me Fournette. Uh, and 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 let's see him ride.
0: Another thing there, Jacks, that you might want to look for too is anybody who might sell him. Because the last three weeks of the fantasy season, they play Minnesota, Atlanta, and Detroit. So Tampa's got a pretty favorable schedule in those last three matchups, uh, right when their offense should be starting to click, right? Especially with Antonio Brown coming in, they're going to figure out who that running back they want to use consistently is. And I think we've already seen that that's going to be Fournette. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to be nice in those playoffs. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I mean, it may be a a Ronald Jones... um, you know, game script, which could f- frustrate and uh, infuriate you if you if you did pick him up, but you're you're right. Um, mm. But yeah, wouldn't that be something, you know, it's like it's all lined up for him. He's playing and then all of a sudden they just like, you know, just hand it to Ronald Jones 25 times in those games, ready to jump off a bridge. For
0: sure, but I think e- even Fournette's gotten a better carry total the last, uh, aside from this past game where they rushed it four times, the two games before that, I think Fournette had more carries than Ronald Jones um, I'm
1: with you. So this you is know. just the damaged fantasy owner, uh you know
0: yeah for, believe me I have a the, team with both of them,
1: yeah, waiting for the you know the 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 brick to hit you in the side of the head, you know um, <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm with you. I'm just always nervous, um, you know, waiting for it to just not work out. Um, just like it did work out for so many players this year, I mean, it's just been injury upon injury. You know, um, so many good players God, have been out. Wide receivers: Devonte Adams, Julio Jones. You know, Calvin Ridley, Galladay, Godwin. I mean, the list goes on and on. And 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 speaking mm-hmm. of injuries, sometimes you you look and and you try and figure out who to play. You know, um, you know who's that who's that guy you're looking to start, and sometimes it takes us. A minute like last year it was one of those things with the green bay you know lineup where we started to figure out who was Devonte adams backup and who was the slot guy and who was the the guy that backed up lazard and yada yada and we we started to put the pieces together and understood kumro was only going to play when uh i forget he was the backup to one of those guys and he only played like literally when Devonte went down or whatever and it was like oh there it is. That, now we figured it out. Well, I think, uh, you know, Trav, we were talking about it a little bit before the show, and we're not like the first people to figure this out, but we figured out that Atlanta uh, wide receiver core. And ultimately, it's going to be Ridley and Julio on the outside, and Russell Gage is their slot guy. Now, yeah, and Julio and, and, and Ridley will slide into the slot here and there, but essentially, you know, Gage is their slot guy. And uh, say say his name for me, uh, Adam. Alamade Zacchaeus. Alamade Zacchaeus. OZ I just call him <laughs> I just call him the full ounce. Maybe he's like a half ounce. I mean he's kind of small, but uh OZ uh he comes out there and he is going to play when Ridley or Julio are out. So if you have an injury to Ridley or Julio, uh Olamide actually steps up over uh Russell Gage and becomes that other outside receiver out, uh, opposite of either Ridley or or, or Julio, and it was funny because I had I had put this on the show sheet. And I just put their two names, and I this was the take I had. And sure enough, Trav in the pre in the pregame was like just said exactly what I just said. So sorry to steal all your thunder, Trav, mm-hmm. but you know, no, that's good. It's buddy. what we found uh, before even just looking at it, right?
0: Well, I think yeah, you nailed it, and um, definitely. There's going to have to be somebody missing time for you to be able to start him confidently in your roster. Um, Because I think with Russell Gage, we've even seen that Hayden Hurst has leapfrogged him as far as the totem pole or the target pecking order or whatever you want to call it. Um, But Jack's nailed it on the head that Zacchaeus is going to be the guy. Um, If you look at the two games Ridley missed this year, um, Zacchaeus has 79 and 97% of the snaps played. So he's going to be getting a lot of that work and they like the outside role better than the slot. Um, Russell Gage just had those two big, big games, to start the season. And in the past seven games, he has, um, I think only like 10 more targets than he had in those first two games. So I think it's like 21 in the first two and 31 in the seven games since. So Russell Gage is not necessarily what we thought he was. Um, and Jack's like, you nailed it. If we're looking for a third guy and it's not Hayden Hurst, you might want to take Zacchaeus because those guys have missed a lot of time and there's just definitely a higher ceiling with Zacchaeus than there is with Russell Gage. So um, we were simpatico on that one, my man.
1: Yeah. It's just one of those things where you're not playing Zacchaeus unless one of those other guys is hurt, you know, and you're not playing Gage because he's not going to produce. I mean, basically, right. He's sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, not targeted enough. And it's interesting. You'd think, oh, he's the guy in there. He's getting all the snaps. Um, You know, when one of those guys is out, Gage will be there to step up. And really he just stays in that same sort of role where he's not targeted much. And you're right. Hayden Hurst probably gets as much or more than him. And, um, you know, so it's really those two outside guys are obviously the, the, the number one and number two clearly, but when one of them's out, Zacchaeus comes in, he just, he just, he's, he's the other guy. He just basically takes over that role of either Ridley or Julio. So pretty interesting stuff. Speaking of taking over roles, um, let, you know, just before I hopped on the pod, I I, I made a simple little tweet, and it, it it was fun. I mean, it got a lot of a lot of action. I think it's because it was really kind of a hot topic for some people. Some people felt like I was right on the money, and some people think I'm I'm smoking crack on this one. I think I know where you guys are going to be on this, but um, there was a little poll, uh, Twitter poll, trade you know uh, this guy and that guy for this guy, and it was basically Denzel Mims and and Slayton for Chase Claypool. And when I looked at the thing, Chase Claypool was ahead of Mims and Slayton. And I thought, what the hell is that? How, why, why is that? And I just simply said Denzel Mims greater than Claypool. I think I do have Denzel Mims higher on my dynasty ranking than I do Chase Claypool. So it's not even a hot take for me. I have Claypool and Slayton pretty close, but Mims ahead. And uh, some people thought they were like, yes, finally someone said, and then others were like, what are you crazy? So I got
2: to ask, do you think I'm on here or do you think I'm crazy? Either one of you can go on this. I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I think, I think you're right on, um, recency bias is is obviously prevalent in fantasy football. So I think Claypool is getting a lot of that love because he obviously had that big, you know, 40 point game, uh, earlier in the season. And then also, I mean, just from a team aspect, people are looking at and going, you know, I don't want anybody on the Jets, and the Steelers are, you know, undefeated and, and whatnot. But those situations could change drastically ne- next year. You don't know what Big Ben's going to do or how much he's got left in the tank. You don't know what the changes the Jets are going to make. Hopefully, they get rid of Adam Gase and kind of do a, a whole revamping there. But I think we talked a lot about a couple different rookies Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers. Same applies to these guys. I think what you thought of them pre-rookie draft or pre-startup draft, uh, you should still kind of hold in the in the same regards. You can shuffle a couple of things around and you, you don't want to have take lock, but um, we haven't really seen Denzel Mims play this year. He's been struggling with some injuries. Uh, from what I've seen so far, I, I've liked, but uh, I think everyone could agree, you know, pre-rookie draft, Denzel Mims was the better wide receiver prospect than Chase Claypool, and I, I would continue to follow that. Trav?
0: Yeah, I um I I think you're you're right on, Jax. Like I think it would be hard for me to trade either Claypool or Mim straight up for each other at the same time. Like I think they're very close in value and and much for the reasons Adam said that those guys futures in the next 2 to 3 years are likely going to change drastically. Mims is probably for the better, and Claypool is for the we don't necessarily know yet, right? We don't know if it's going to be worse or better when Ben leaves. Um, And he's also got Deontay Johnson in there, who is looking like he's going to be a target hog. Obviously, Claypool has been fantastic, but I think it's a very close trade, Jackson. I wouldn't call it a hot take for you to say that you like Mims over Claypool. Um, I might just be a little bit undecided still because I do like having pieces of that wide receiver factory in Pittsburgh. Um, And you know, the Canadian boy factor of Claypool also helps too. I, I'm going to root for him for the rest of my life probably. Um, but I, I think you're right there, Jackson. The the value is very similar. So for me in that deal, if I'm getting Slayton on top of Mims uh, with the pen, potential for Mims to be outside of an Adam Gase offense, um, I think I'm taking that deal for sure.
1: All right, well, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We'll go quick here. So I'm just going to say this guy or that guy, one word answer. You just give me give me an answer. You know, rapid fire, hot take, go. Okay. So, who would you rather have, Travis Fulgham, or Chase Claypool in Dynasty? Okay, Fulgham or Claypool, Trav.
0: Um, whew, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Claypool by a hair.
2: I would do. I would do the same. I would take Claypool.
1: Give me Fulgham. You guys are both wrong. Get the hell out of here. <laughs>
0: All right, next, <laughs> dude. I'm a Birds fan. I'm no, a Birds well, fan. Come on, get I've out of here. I've just seen the mismanaged wide receivers. You've I've seen a guy excel
1: as a lead X uh, receiver in the league. Where is he? Who's taking oh, dude, his job? I love it. Trust me. Bad bad things happen.
0: Trust in me. I love it. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager is, is going to play
1: with him, not a not over him. I, I I mean, you think Alshon's coming back to take that spot or JJ Arcega whiteside No, but
0: M- Miles Sanders is going to get targeted a lot. Um. Dallas Goddard maybe Zach Ertz if he comes back it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting split they do throw the ball a lot so all these guys could eat to varying levels but I'm just worried that it's gonna come back down to like the first Alshon year where they have a couple of 800 yard receivers but no 12 to 1300 yard receivers by season's end you know
1: okay here's my boy so I have these two guys back to back in my dynasty ranking so for me they're close so are they close for you Gabriel Davis
2: or Preston Williams? Adam, you're first. Um, I think those those could be close. I don't know if back-to-back. Back, oh, man, that is really <laughs> tough. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to go probably with Preston Williams by a hair. And I, I know Gabriel Davis is your boy, Jack, so I'm guessing you, you have him a little bit higher. But I don't think yeah. – We've, you know, Preston Williams calling coming off that ACL tear this year. I think he's significantly underperformed and probably disappointed people. But I think when we take that into context, it, it makes sense. I like what the Dolphins are doing and then being tied to Tua for your career. I know Josh Allen's had a good year this year, but um, being tied to Tua, I, I'm excited about what Preston Williams could do. So I think I'm going to go Preston Williams just by a little bit.
1: Trav, what do you got?
0: Pretty much the same here. I definitely like Gabriel Davis, um, but I think Preston Williams, when he comes back healthy, is immediately inserted into the wide receiver to roll on the roster. Whereas I think when all guys are healthy, obviously I know in the future they might not be there, but when all guys are healthy, I would say that Gabriel Davis is probably fourth in the pecking order in his offense. So I need to see it a little bit more from Gabriel Davis. And I've seen a little bit more from Preston Williams already. And then, like Adam said, he's attached to Tua. So I like that for the future.
1: Nah, uh, you guys are wrong again. This is terrible. You guys are zero for two. What the hell is going on?
0: Unbelievable!
1: Unbelievable. Hey, Gabriel Davis is second on the uh, the Buffalo Bills in snaps um, at the wide receiver position, ahead of Cole Beasley, ahead of John Brown. Um, they trust him. They love him. He's uh, he's he's just a he's a he's a really good player. I think he's going to show himself next year. Uh, I will take Gabriel Davis, although it is close. I have them back to back. Now here's my favorite question ever. This is this is the one that makes me so excited because I had a tweet. There's always a tweet, right? Receipt King always has it. But this one makes <laughs> me so happy because you either you you either have to say it or eat it. One or the other. Who would you rather have? Trav, you're up first here. You ready for it?
0: Okay. All right.
1: Henry Ruggs or Darnell Mooney?
0: Oh man. Give me, give me rugs. Give me the rug doctor. Um, I I just think, you know, draft capital. Yes. Offense they're tied to still. Yes. For rugs. Um, and I like what Mooney's doing, trust me, but I still got to stick with Henry rugs on this one. He's just, I think he's got a much higher production potential as far as just his profile alone.
2: Adam, what do you got? I got to agree with Travis again. I, I'm going to go Henry Ruggs. I I think, you know, pre-rookie draft, uh, everyone was talking about how he didn't fit a prospect profile um, and that you were either going to have to bet hit on him being a, a Hall of Famer. And I don't know about that, but I, I just think he's too much of a unique talent. I, I like Darnell Mooney a lot. I think he, he's also uh, interesting, but um, I'm going to take Ruggs by a pretty significant amount. Well, they're back to back. Let me get.
0: Let me Gar- guess, Jax. Let me guess, Jax. Wrong, right?
1: Now I'm not so <laughs> sure here. I do think that the fact that it's a question, the fact that we're having this conversation, is an indictment of Ruggs and uh, a gigantic praise of Darnell Mooney. I have them back to back in my rankings, and you know, I, I had tweeted someone had said something about uh, might have even been Matt Kelly like that. Oh, KJ. He said KJ Hamler is the arbitrage Henry Ruggs. And I was like, well, Darnell Mooney is the arbitrage uh KJ Hamler. So by that rationale, <laughs> Darnell Mooney is is Henry Ruggs. And so here we are. I mean, <laughs> Darnell Mooney has has been playing really well. He's I mean, his, his target share is there. He's on a abjectly terrible passing offense, and he's getting targets and he's commanding targets. And he's, you know, there's that highlight tape. I'm not sure if you guys saw it on Twitter. It's the uh, it's the free Darnell Mooney video where he's mm-hmm. running free by himself on like several uh, routes and the ball is just like air mailed or like ducked off to the side or like you know hit duck, it ran it thrown into the ground like just completely off target on a number of like surefire long ass touchdowns for Darnell Mooney that he didn't catch that if he's playing with Russell Wilson, he's like, you know, He's got a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns already just on these plays in this highlight film. So look, Darnell Mooney is legit. He is playing very well. I'm not sure how good he is because we can't really tell on that, on that awful bears team, but rugs has obviously been a disappointment and, and I was fading rugs for that reason that I thought he was kind of a, you know, home run, home run hitter or, or not much else. But, um, let, let's, let's go, let's go a little bit higher. Let's go a little bit higher. Um, Okay, so you have to you have to pick this one, you know, for for your life here. You've got to you've got to pick. Uh, this is a good one, uh, Deontay Johnson, or Mike Evans. Man, I know it sounds like it should be Mike Evans slam at home, but honestly, ask yourself,
0: no, who do you no, really want Deontay. dynasty
1: going forward?
0: It's Deontay. Is it right? He is like on a trajectory to be Antonio Brown with the Pittsburgh Steelers light. You know, he's like so far, he's just been a level below, but I think he could potentially have the talent to be that if he's getting all that work, Um, depending how the free agent situation with um, Juju shakes out. Uh, But Deontay's entrenched as I think their wide receiver one to me. So um, yeah, it's Deontay over Mike. What do you say,
2: Adam? You got any piece of that? I mean, I, I'm 100 percent on that. I, I hate that me and Travis are agreeing on all of these because I wanted to argue with somebody, but, everything. Uh, it's to me that's not even close. I think uh, well, what wow, that's Deontay great. Johnson is doing and the the skills that he has. I think Mike Evans is a little bit one more, a uh, little bit more one dimensional in terms of what he he can give you. And Deontay's uh, a dynamic playmaker.
1: Well, I will tell you, you know, I am the only undroppable with Deontay ahead of Mike Evans in the rankings. Everybody else has has Evans ahead in our Dynasty rankings. And I've got him there one spot ahead of Evans. And, and you look at it, and and this is how I how I basically make my, uh, my Dynasty list in a lot of situations because a lot of times it's close. There's just a lot of ties. You know, of course, right? It's like you're super close. You're like, I'm not sure who I would prefer. Let's give you one more because this one's kind of fun. You know, the up-and-comer this year. So we're going to go – Justin Jefferson
2: or DJ Chark? Adam, you started off. So I was admittedly not a Justin Jefferson fan. Um, I fell victim to kind of that, what was the sum greater than the the individual parts in that LSU offense. And um, I was wondering if, you know, one of Burrow, Clyde over or Justin Jefferson was going to kind of fall short. And for the most part, they've all been, been pretty good um i think i'm i think i'm gonna go justin jefferson i i love dj yeah. chark and uh living in jacksonville like i i can't get enough of dj chark but um justin jefferson is has been really really impressive what he's been able to do after the catch um i think he's a, he's a little bit more slippery chark is more that traditional kind of uh wide receiver run past people kind of bully him on the, on the outside a little bit, but I I'm I'm falling in love with Justin Jefferson. Maybe it's recency bias, but uh, I really like what I've seen. He's a hell of a player. Trav, who you got?
0: Man, I still uh, don't know if I've decided between these two up until (laughs) even this point. Um, It's really close, right? Because both have uncertain quarterback futures. Kirk Cousins may or may not be in Minnesota much longer and Gardner Minshew may or may not be the starter of the future. If you're telling me the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence, then it's like 900% DJ Chark, I think. But uh, we don't necessarily know that that's going to happen. It's, it's weird. I like, I think the target funnel in Minnesota leans towards Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen maintaining it. But then you think about the tight ends and whether they start to get used more. So I don't freaking know, Jax. Give me, you know what, just to disagree with Adam, give me DJ Chark.
1: Yeah, I've got DJ Chark ahead, um, and they're only a couple spots apart at 15 and 17. So Justin Jefferson in my top 17 dynasty wide receivers. So I think he's absolutely there, and I think that's what makes it hard. Once you start talking about two players you really like, it makes it a lot more difficult. I do like Chark a little bit more. Although Justin Jefferson is is certainly rising up the ranks, and how high to put him is really the question. I've got two more that I think this is actually a good one because these are two falling stars. Uh, although one is resurgent, been, been resurging a little bit. Um, boy, one's falling, falling. Uh, who 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 do you prefer here, Trav? This is a big one: DJ Moore or Juju.
0: that is a big one that's a really big one um I'm gonna go juju and it's hard because DJ Moore has a situation that's certain for the next couple of years whereas Juju is looking like he's not going to be with the Steelers for the next few years but I just think what Juju's already shown in being able to do the work himself after the catch, when he gets those short targets and then we've seen flashes of him getting some downfield stuff. Um, I think he is an elite talent and I think he's going to go to a team and be the wide receiver one. And he's going to be back in our top tens of dynasty rankings next year. Um, so I'm going to go juju over DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson hats off to Robbie Anderson. Cause I love Robbie Anderson. We're
1: going to talk about him tomorrow. Ain't we
2: now?
0: you damn right we are, Jax.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Who you got? So I I, I hate Robbie Anderson because I absolutely love <laughs> DJ Moore. And that's why I, I'm going to pick DJ Moore. And it, it might be biased. I, I love him. I thought them getting Teddy Bridgewater was going to be a match made in heaven for DJ Moore because I thought he would be getting a lot of the touches that Robbie Anderson and even, to a certain extent, Curtis Samuel's getting a lot of those underneath stuff. And for some reason – I feel like I'm living in bizarro world here with Joe Brady, where he's basically using Robbie Anderson in the role that I think DJ Moore should be used in and then using DJ Moore in the role that Robbie Anderson should be used in. They, they're using DJ Moore is as, as like the deep threat um, where he's only getting a couple targets exactly. a game and uh, his air yards look great on, on paper, but he's just not getting the, the, the targets to, you know, consistently use them. So it's super frustrating, but in dynasty, I'm going to, You know, invest in the most part, put most of my chips in a a talent and, you know, weigh the situation in there to a certain extent. But situations can change and fluctuate. You know, you you never know what's going to happen. So I'm going to buy in the talent. It's going to be DJ more for me Um, by a lot, by a lot,
0: by a lot.
2: Uh, I love it. I love it. He's planting his flag. He's doing a good job and we
1: really appreciate it. Very nice. So I've been asking this one. This is my last one. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find a way to end this, this crazy thing, but a little off topic, we're going to go quarterbacks. I'll give you a second to think about it. Maybe you already know, and you can answer this question however you want, because for me, it's like, you're really betting on one guy or the other. And you know, this draft class now will maybe, maybe two will start to enter this conversation, but, um, you know, whether you like one of them as a real quarterback or fantasy quarterback, I think it's all tied together. So whether you're starting a franchise or whether you're drafting a dynasty league, maybe it's a different answer for one or the other, but for me, it's the same. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow,
2: who you got? Who wants to go first? Mm. Uh, I'll be yeah. Go first here. Um, This is another one. I usually don't flip flop um, like this so early in the season, but I've really been impressed what what Justin Jeff. uh, I'm sorry, Justin Herbert's uh, been able to do. Um, I think from again, I I don't watch a a ton of college football outside of Purdue Go Boilermakers, Um, so I follow what other people say about these guys, and I think the knock on Justin Herbert is, you know, he's got all the. Uh, the uh, physical traits. He's a big quarterback. He's got a strong arm, but there was concern about him being able to stay in the pocket. Would he drop his eyes? Would he kind of shy away and take more of that Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles career path? And to his credit, I mean, he's gone the total total opposite direction. Chargers tried to do the tie rod thing. Lance, uh, Lance Lynn didn't want to give Justin Herbert the job, but he, he took it. He earned it, um, and he's been playing incredible. I, I love what he's able to do, throwing the ball down the field. Um, so for, for that reason, I think by, by a little bit, I'm going to take him over Joe burrow. If I was in a super flex league and I had their rookie draft and those two guys around the board, all those running backs are gone. I I think I would take Justin Herbert over Joe burrow as crazy as that sounds.
1: It doesn't sound crazy to me, but does it sound crazy to Trav? Tell us.
0: No, man, I'm in the same boat and it's close because it's close because Joe Burrow is attached to an offense that has Joe Mixon, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, um the the skeleton of AJ Green is still there. Um but you know, and a team that passes a lot too. Like that's the that's the allure of Joe Burrow for me, but Justin Herbert has just far far exceeded the expectations just like you said Adam. And the concern for me actually wasn't necessarily like his poise or anything like that. It was more like his touch on the ball. I just thought that he was throwing frozen rope, deep balls all the time. And I know that in the NFL, as opposed to the, um to the PAC 12, you, you got to be able to put some touch on it. And I've seen that this year where I, I didn't really see a ton of that in college. So that to me fits this offense a lot better. And that's why we've seen him do well. He's made Mike Williams better. He's kept Keenan Allen afloat. So uh, yeah, give me Justin Herbert just on the fact that those physical tools have been put together and become something that can run an NFL team essentially.
1: Yeah. I'm with you guys. I mean, I've said it, you know, I've asked this question on, on the pod a number of times here since it started to become a, a conversation. And I, I just, I'm sort of surprised that I'm in this Herbert camp, but I'm there, man. Uh, he's my, you know, uh, quarterback six in dynasty. Uh, I've got uh burrow at eight Uh Tua now at 11 and kind of just like, you know, he's, He's standing outside the club. He he was you know he didn't even have a ride to the club you know at the beginning of the season. But now he showed up. He's got a nice suit on. He's out front. He's out front. He's talking to the bouncer. There you know they, he looks good. He's got some girls with him. The whole thing it looks like he's getting in. And so you know one or two more games he's in the club and he's going to be dancing with these guys. So you know we'll see. So Tua might might be making his way right up to the front of this line. Uh, but as of right now. Just just give me Justin Herbert. I mean, unbelievable what he's been able to do. Um, he's also over a year younger than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's an old prospect. Joe Burrow, you know, look, if we rewind and just draft this class right after the 2018 season, Joe Burrow doesn't get drafted. Or if he does, it's it's late. So not holding that against him because he did, uh, you know, command the, the sort of one of the – actually probably the best college offense in the history of, of NCAA football. I mean, that – he did do that. And since showing up, he has been outstanding. So really, this isn't a knock on Joe Burrow. It's just how good Justin Herbert has been. And, you know, he did it again. Like he, he's actually, it's amazing. He's actually won these games and they don't even win, right? I mean, you guys see what happened this week? I mean, literally every replay looked like a touchdown except this one where like mm-hmm. the ball barely touched. I mean, it's like. Just, so just a gut punch for the Charger fans, eh?
0: Every week, man. Every week it seems like they're losing on that last play, and the kid's been giving them a shot.
2: Adam's got nothing to say about that. No, I mean, I, I I agree. I think uh, it, it sucks, you know, being a Chargers fan, and um, I don't even know if there are any Chargers fans out there. They seem since they left San Diego, they're like <laughs> third fiddle in L.A., probably even behind the Raiders, and the Raiders aren't even there anymore. So, um <laughs> that that's the new
1: t-shirt viridian global's coming out with it it sucks to be a chargers fan like yeah. that's just the t-shirt that's it <laughs> boom no, nothing more to say it just sucks to be a t- charger fan um yeah i know some charger fans and i think that's actually correct factually correct it does suck to be a charger fan um trav uh, tell me a little bit about what you got going on. Just, just pimp yourself a little bit. Tell the, tell the people where to find <laughs> you on, on, on Twitter. Um, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. I, I just think you're, uh, you know, you and your boys do a great job over at true North and probably completely underappreciated in, in my view, because I think you guys really, uh, bring information in a way that's really easily digestible. So I'll give you a hell of a, hell of a pimp here, but you know, tell, tell, tell people where to find you. <laughs>
0: I appreciate that, brother, and thank you for having me on. Um, I can be found at TCL 14 and on all sorts of True North content. So follow us at True North Fantasy Football. um, Sorry, at True North FFB. Um, You can look us up at True North Fantasy Football. The website's truenorthffb.com. And yeah, we're just kind of really trying to pump the YouTube channel right now. We've got uh, four weekly live shows and we've got a couple other pre-recorded shows that we're putting out weekly on the YouTube channel so there's lots of good content there um, and we've got five podcasts in the podcast network go to the site and check them out so yeah that's really it. just trying to pump all the guys work and uh, make sure that everybody's getting eyes on our stuff because I think we're putting in some pretty good work and uh, I know the guys have definitely uh, bought into the brand and it's been it's been fun to build it along with them so I appreciate everyone on the team um, and yeah it's been a blast getting in people like you Jackson um, playing fantasy leagues and coming on pods and having people on pods. It's just, it's a good time.
1: Well, we, we do love you. The undroppables uh, loves true North. You know, we, we really appreciate it. We, we, you know, I, I, I just love you guys. You know, I love you person. I think you're a great dude and uh, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me on your pod. We'll have some fun tomorrow. It's me, you and chalk, you know, the, the godfather, whatever the hell you want to call him the, the, the commander yeah. in chief, you know, Uh, you know, we, we, we scared him a little bit by telling him it was going to be live. So I can't wait for, (laughs) you know, don't worry. I'll hold him. I'll hold him tight. He'll be okay. We'll be good. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you, if you do, please check out that pod. If you, if you just listen to this hour or two hour pod and just haven't had enough of me and Trav talking, you know hop on over because we'll do another hour over there.
0: Wednesday night, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. We're on, at, we're on at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, tell them where so to find it live, live because we're going to be
1: live. Tell them where to find it live. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, If this pod comes out before then, then make sure you check us out at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 Eastern. Search the TNFF network on YouTube or go to the True North Twitter page. Um, and if you don't see it uh, live, then you can go watch it back or listen to it on your favorite, favorite platform and then catch us on future Wednesday nights, every Wednesday at 7 PM. So I appreciate that Jackson. I'm stoked to have you on buddy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Hey Adam, where, where, where can the people find you and, and, you know, explain to them why they'd want to listen to a, a a medical advice
2: from someone who went to Purdue. Um, they can find me on Twitter at the real Adam underscore H, uh, any of my work along with, with Jax's work and, uh, um, the rest of the undroppables team at the com. We got a great group of guys as you're aware, Jax, and, uh, we have a lot of fun on Twitter. I'm always tweeting Sunday about injuries, trying to give, you know, live updates as best as I can. So uh, if you have any injury questions or if you're trying to figure out if your player, your fantasy player is going to be playing this week, just make sure you hop over to my Twitter handle and that's where you can get all those updates. Yeah, man. And and yeah, Jax, you know, Jax, I, I got to go jump ahead. in there.
0: I, I got to jump got to jump in and say that uh it's been awesome checking those updates adam um that christian mccaffrey one you had really got me kind of on the pulse of it um so yeah definitely i would recommend going and checking out adam's injury analysis on the twitter page it's
1: so true i mean i was going to give him a hard time but really the truth is is he's amazing he's he's accessible he's very smart he knows what the hell's going on his medical background is solid but also he has a a really, uh, he's a really good fantasy player, so he can kind of translate it into, uh, you know, a package that is, you know, useful. So I love it, man. He does a great job of like, you know, uh, uh, of giving us that information and, and also saying it in a way that, you know, a fantasy player can understand. It's awesome, man. You do really outstanding work. And as much as I bust your balls, you know, I love you. So, uh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. You're my guy and I, I can't, I can't stress that enough. So, Definitely internet. go follow him because it's 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 you got to follow a medical guy on Twitter if you're going to play you know any sort of football. Quite frankly, you know, fantasy football, whether it's DFS, I don't care what it is, you need to know what the hell is going on with these injuries, what's happening. And the cool thing about Adam is if you hit him up, he'll he'll probably answer your question directly. Uh, he's not uh, unaccessible, mm-hmm. you know. He's really right there. So even if you have a specific question, he's he's right there. So got to got to give it to
2: Adam. For sure, I appreciate you saying that, Jackson. To Jackson's point, you know. Just don't follow me on Saturdays. Saturdays, it's all Purdue football. That's all my Twitter handle will be pumping out. But then Sundays, it's back to business, fantasy football. So if you're not a Purdue fan or you're tired of hearing about Purdue stuff, just ignore me on Saturdays. Yeah,
1: ignore him on Saturdays until they're down like 38 to nothing. Then he's usually also free at that point too. <laughs> and I'll be pissed off. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hey, man, uh, you know, for, for me – Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone, at Dino Game Theory. All the undroppables for Trav, for Adam. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Peace out.